Welcome to the New Life Digging Deeper podcast, where we take Sunday sermons a step further, giving you the opportunity to gain greater understanding and ultimately grow your relationship with Jesus. Well, hey there. We're excited you joined us here on the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm Cody Gesser. I'm joined today with Kirk Bodie, a longtime member here at uh, New Life Church, the OG, the original. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked Kirk if he would give a little bit of his history. He did the message this past weekend, um, and I just thought we could take a moment here just to get to know a little bit more about you for those of um, New Lifers or whoever's listening to this doesn't know your background. Yeah, well, I was uh, raised in northern Illinois by a good uh, church family, raised in the church, Sunday school, youth group, confirmation. Um, And then I went off to college in 1971, and there I met a group of guys that uh, took their Christianity to a deeper level. They were excited about reading the Bible, and uh, so at that time in the spring of 72, I turned my life over to the Lord, accepted Him into my life, Hmm. and all the teachings and background I had as a good church boy uh, came to life. I, the, the Bible I knew a little bit about, but it came to life because of my uh, conversion back in 1972. And that was at the height of the Jesus Revolution, and I was on fire for the Lord um, and met a bunch of guys, and we'd go around witnessing and singing and all kinds of... Guys not, singing? Guys wow. crazy, doing crazy stuff. <laughs> um and then I went, uh, because my career path took me to law school, I went to law school. And law school was, I got involved in the church, expected to continue my on fire for the Lord, and I kind of went through a spiritual desert for a time in law school. Joined a, joined a church, but really uh, wasn't a very excite, exciting time, wasn't a very alive time, lost uh, fellowship with some of my friends. Um, but then in 1978, we moved to Morton here to begin my career. We uh, joined a church and met a bunch of young people. We were, I experienced again the fire for the Lord from a bunch of young couples my age. Um, and then we kind of had a, the church we were in kind of had a division between the old people and the younger crowd. Hmm. Different styles of worship, different styles of prayer, different attitudes toward the scripture. And that's the foundations of New Life Church. Uh, that would be at probably 1982 or so. Um, and we began uh, at, within a church that valued contemporary music, uh, contemporary worship, uh, contemporary preaching, relevant preaching. And so that's how New Life began, and I was a part of it from the beginning. I was an elder from the beginning until about uh, five or six years ago. Um, Been involved in teaching uh, classes, uh, vacation Bible school, Sunday school, just about teaching all kinds of things and doing quite a bit of preaching. Yeah, we really appreciate you, Kirk, and everything that you've done for New Life and everything you continue to do. And um, yeah, let's hop into this message. Um, You did the parable on the vineyard workers, and you just talked about kind of how things are great when they're fair, but the reality is this life has a lot of things that are unfair. And you talked about being a lawyer and um, even with a judge, (laughs) still things don't end up, you know, I'm sure you've seen it's fair. So as Christians... Um, what do we do with that when things aren't fair? Like within this parable, within the vineyard workers, we see that. And how should we posture ourselves and walk into those situations? Yeah, well, life, life, as we all know, life is not often fair. Whether it's, you know, I mentioned in my message about a young lady that had cancer, through no fault of her own, obviously, yeah. and she developed cancer. Um, 
bad things happen. Tornado comes through Washington. Uh, so life and the one house gets touched, one house doesn't get touched. Why is that the case? What, what, what is fair? And we like the idea of fairness, but we're surrounded by lack of fairness. No, it's not the reality. <clears throat> and many times in my practice, uh, the judges would give their ruling, and I would say that's not fair. That's mm -hmm. not that's not right. And I had to realize that that uh, number one, my perspective of what's fair isn't always accurate. Um, there's a bigger picture, uh, and in the, in the court system, judges do a great job, but they're human, and uh, sometimes they miss things. Sometimes uh, uh, it maybe maybe their decision is the fair one, and maybe I'm the one that doesn't see it as being mm. fair. Um, but as we look at this parable, <clears throat> it it's uh, it, the the people that thought it was unfair, the first workers, they grumbled and they complained. Um, and I saw that so when we are encounter unfairness in this life for whatever wherever it happens, um, we need to watch our attitude that we don't yeah. become like them where we compare ourselves with other people. Right. We begin uh, to grumble. We grumble against them. We grumble against God. We complain. Mm -hmm. We whine. We feel sorry for ourselves. We get into a pity party. Um, and instead, we need to see things from God's perspective that this life is temporal. It will pass. And not all things uh, are fair. If you look at the Psalms, there's lots of Psalms where it says, you know, why do the wicked prosper? It's like, not fair. Or how long, O Lord, are you going to put up with this? Or how long are you going to have this happen to me? Um, so we're not strangers to unfairness. Um, history is full of it. Yeah. Um, and the key is we need to respond appropriately to unfairness because it is inevitable in this life. Yeah. And everyone's watching, too. I think a right. lot of times people are watching for it. They know you're Christian. How are you going to respond in this moment? And they, they see you in, the, in, in that. And, you know, I was thinking that's a great chance to show your witness. Right. And something happens. Everybody's talking about it. Are you going to feed that fire? Are you going to say, right. hey, is this more hurtful than it's helpful? And try yeah. to redirect people. Yeah, that's good. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite phrases in this parable is, the last will be first and the first will be last. Um, it's just super memorable. This is a great example of how really upside down the kingdom is. Um, do you have a good example from your life where you've seen this kind of play out and how you responded maybe? Well, it, because we live in a, the culture we live in is the first. You want to be first. You don't want to be last. Yeah. No one wants. No one says, "I'll be last in line." I want to be the last one. Yeah, pick. Ricky no, Bobby says, uh, "If you're uh, if you're first, you're if you're last, you're first. Or what does he say? <laughs> so we, we're we're if you're not first, you're last. We're yeah. bombarded by achievement and getting to the top of the ladder, climbing the ladder, mm -hmm. and and so Jesus comes along and says, "When the the last shall be first." And so you kind of scratch your head, but then you look at all the stuff that Jesus taught when he. He says stuff like, if they want your, your tunic, give them your cloak as well. Or if they want you to walk a mile, go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. And you, you scratch your head and think, well, that's not what culture is teaching us. Um, and when, when he says you must uh, give up everything, um, and, and he values the, the humble shall be exalted and the proud shall be humbled. So yeah. it, it, it is, it, it's hard to reconcile what Jesus says with what we're bombarded with in culture, in the work work workforce, uh, that we are taught that you need to be number one, <laughs> number two doesn't cut it, and yeah. certainly not the last. Yeah, um, and you have to keep telling yourself who the audience is that you're uh, that you're living for. So different things is 
um, you know, practice, do practical things in your life that will cultivate humility. Be the last. You know, mm -hmm. offer somebody to go ahead of you. Uh, yeah. uh, give somebody the better parking spot. Give somebody the better position. Mm -hmm. Honor somebody who may have, if someone leaps over you in promotion to work, um, uh, honor them. Don't mm -hmm. just think about yourself. And, and, and know that it's God sees us, that, we, that he values things that are, that are last. And it's interesting in this passage, this parable, how it's, it's bookended with the phrase, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Yep. And then when he, he calls the workers, who, do, who gets their first reward? The last people. Yeah. Um, so it is the kingdom of God is upside down. It's the values are very contrary to what we're, we right. see in our culture. Yeah. I was at a youth conference one time, and they handed out all these buttons that said, I'm number two. <laughs> and you would wear it, and then people would ask you, oh, you're number, oh, because you're number one. Yeah. And so you would say to the people, and, you know, it's cheesy, but it's a good reminder, and it's a great place to kind of set yourself in. It made me think of foster care. Yeah. Um, what Kayla and I are going through right now is, you know, it's challenging, and it feels upside down in a lot of ways because someone else has done done wrong, but you're really trying to help that person right. out rather than just saying, oh, I'm going to take that child, I'm going to keep oh, yeah. that child. You're trying to put that fa that family, that mother first. And yeah, it, that was really clear to me as you're kind of speaking about that. I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that is what we're kind of going through right now and feeling that. And But also what you're doing, you don't, there's not a lot of notoriety. You don't get a lot of accolades. Yeah. Yet you have the privilege of being a, the number one influencer of a young child, yeah. and that certainly is near the heart of God. Right, yeah, yeah, that's great, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, you had a slide about justice, mercy, and grace. Um, you said justice, getting what we deserve, mercy, not getting all we deserve, grace, not getting what we deserve. I thought that was a fascinating way to show the difference in the how we view fairness and justice versus how God views it. Can you explain your thoughts on that? Kind of expand upon that. It was a nice slide, and I think we could have probably broken it up yeah. so we could have seen how God God viewed it. But I saw a lot of people taking their phones out and taking pictures of it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's we talked a lot about grace, mm -hmm. but God is a God of justice too. There's no doubt about that. Um, he, if you look in the Old Testament, and it's, it's, he's a God of justice. And it, that's why when you look at a parable like this, and you look at justice, mercy, and grace, you really get the gospel of Jesus, because justice would say, we get what we deserve. And, and thankfully, because of grace, Jesus paid the price. We don't get what we deserve, because right. Jesus took that penalty on us. So um, we do want justice in this world. I mean, justice, we want, that's because it goes hand in hand with fairness. Yeah. We think things need to be made right, and certainly we want justice. Mm -hmm. um, and, but when it comes to uh, our own spiritual walk with God, is we need to be careful that we don't like the workers in the vineyard, that we don't want, we get what's coming to us, because according to the Bible, what's coming to us is separation from God because of the fall, and it's only by God's grace that we avoid that justice because Jesus paid the price. So God's justice is satisfied. He didn't compromise his justice. It was satisfied by Jesus. So it's always great when you look at these things in the scripture and you see the gospel and you, you see how Jesus uh, paid the price for us. So it's always cool to see Jesus anytime you read the scripture. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Do you feel like from this message, um, going into it, you've heard this prayer before, was there anything you feel like God was like, yeah, but what about this thing? Or, you know, did your, was your heart changed towards anything? Yeah. As a matter of fact, the week before was about the lost son. Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and the father gushes all over him. And the older brother who's been working his whole life is ticked off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this was a little bit similar in the sense that the guys who have worked the all day at the vineyard are ticked off because the Johnny Come Lately's get the same same pay, and we and so when you first read that, it's like yeah I'm ticked off too. It's just not it's just not fair. It's, God is just not a fair God. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I read that, because what we do is for our sermons is we look for the main idea, mm-hmm. and what I've been taught is anytime there's a parable, uh, don't look for too many allegories. There usually there's a main point. And so um, I, Jesus told the parable, but I wish he had left off the older brother on the first one, and I wish he had just talked about being generous to the guys who came late. Because so, so the, the answer to your question is, when you read it, everybody focuses on the grumblers because they, they didn't get, they got to pay the same. So you focus on the grumblers instead of what, I think the main point of the parable where Jesus says, don't I have the right to be generous? And so I think really the main point, and I talked about this right at the end of my sermon, the main point is we serve a generous God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's too bad sometimes the focus of this, of when your people read it, is to talk about the, mm-hmm. the grumblers, that we, yeah. uh, we, we identify with them. We want to explain that. Instead of talking about the last three waves or four waves of people, how we serve a God that gives us what we don't deserve. He's generous right. and he... He's outrageously generous and loving toward us. And that, I think, is the takeaway that I learned more than about the fairness issue. Yeah, that is a good point. And when we live out of that, we can find peace in those situations when things might not feel fair. Because we already know that we serve a generous God, and He has been generous already. The fact that we get to breathe every day Yeah. So, So one one of the first questions you asked was, what about when you see a lack of fairness is, well, quit focusing on them and focusing on how generous God has been with you. Oh, yeah. And your yeah. own, and, and that, you know, just the fact that he saved me is enough. Yeah, yeah. Because so he didn't good. have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, you, you nailed it. You, that would, you already answered my next question, so... <laughs> This upcoming weekend, uh, Dave Lloyd, uh, an elder here at New Life, he's going to be speaking. Do you want to kind of give a little sneak peek of yeah. what, what he's going to be talking about? Well, uh, he's Dave uh, is going to be on Luke 14, The Cost of Discipleship. And it's one of those para- parables where it Jesus shocks the daylights out of the crowds because the crowds are following him, and he turns around. like It's almost like Jesus was massive people were following him. So he turns around and he says things that just shock the daylights out of him. But he start, you get right out of the box. He says, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he can't be my disciple. So if you were there in the first century audience and he says that, you'd think, this guy's crazy. <laughs> um, and then at the end, he says, so therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Dave's going to have to unpack 
some difficult sayings of Jesus um, because those are shocking statements. Yeah. That, that and, and he to put it into con- I'm looking forward to Dave putting it into context, getting a handle on the heart of God when he says those things because on the surface it makes you scratch your head and think, what mm. is this Christianity thing that Jesus is so harsh? But mm. I think once Dave gets to it, behind behind it is not only the the cost of being a Christ follower, but the benefits yeah. it greatly exceed any cost. Right, right. That's great. That's awesome. So yeah, you heard it here. Come, come, be here this weekend. Uh, Dave Lloyd's going to be speaking on that parable. So service at ten a.m. Be there or be square. <laughs> I think that's a pretty cool thing to say. You be said square. John. You said Johnny B. Lately's. I hadn't heard that. I'm like, I got to write that down. That is good stuff. Oh, I say things sometimes that are a little dated. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we are glad that you joined us today, and we'll catch you next time.